morning to you. I'm Pastor Dave Mitchell, and another great theme to surrender. For 85 years, Calvary Church has been surrendering our will to the will of God, as to the location, as to the various ministries, as to the people, as to the staffing, as to the missionaries, to the outreach around the world. And so it's a great privilege to have done that for 85 years, but part of my uh, ambition and goal for Calvary Church is not just the last 85 years, as thankful as we are for those 85 years, but it's looking ahead to the next three years, the next five years, the next 15 years. And uh, our ambition and our goal and our desire, we believe it's God's as well. Obviously, we wouldn't surrender anything but to Him, is that in 15 years, when Calvary Church will be 100 years old, 100 years old, can you imagine 100 years old, in 100 years of age, we'll be a stronger, more dynamic more effective ministry for the cause and the gospel of Jesus Christ into Santa Ana, Orange County, and around the world. So it's our privilege to be able to do that. And so we have come on this Sunday as an introduction to this month of November about a vision statement that we want to unpack for you as a church. We want you to have a sense as to some of our desires and what we believe God has put on our hearts, some of our wishes, some of our prayers, and it has to do with the various themes that you see behind me. On the one side, you see some of our purposes that we have talked about for some time, and that is we are to connect with God and others, grow in our faith, and to reach Orange County and the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're putting together with that who we are as a church, and it's our vision statement. I want to show you on the screen behind me, as you can see on the, on the right-hand side on the banner there as well, highlighting the first, but the, all of it is equally important. Calvary seeks to be a church family that is better together, being changed by the gospel to love like Jesus across all cultures and generations. We're going to take each of those phrases, and today the phrase is, Calvary seeks to be a church family that is better together and unpack them on different Sundays. That is the church family Sunday today. Next week it will be growing and being changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how we grow. And then the final Sunday that we'll share together just before Thanksgiving is how we can be a church that actually reaches across every culture and every generation. We want to expand our horizons as to where we believe God is taking us. So I invite you into this conversation about a church family. You have an outline that looks exactly like the one I have in my hand if you received a bulletin. If you didn't, we encourage you to pick one of these up because it's an essential part of the learning curve, the experience of knowing and understanding. There's a lot more in this than we will ever cover on this morning, but I want to place it in your hands and give you, give you an opportunity both as individuals and in life groups to be able to engage on some of these scriptures and the promises and the commitments that we're going to be making here at Calvary Church. Imagine if you were part of a wonderful, perfect family. Now, I was blessed to grow up with a pretty good family, an imperfect family, to be sure, because I was imperfect, and all of us were as individuals. But I grew up with a family that had a lot of great dynamics to it. Imagine if you were part of a family like this. And I know that many of you grew up in families where there was a lot of pain and a lot of sorrow, there was a high degree of dysfunction and disorder where there was one or other uh, parents missing or perhaps even most. And there was even perhaps even abuse and tragic, horrendous things that have occurred in your life. But just for a moment, imagine you were part of a family that had these qualities in them, that you had parents 
who would love like this all the time. That is, they would constantly provide unconditional love, and out of that love, you begin to have a sense of tremendous significance. That I am significant before Almighty God as my parents unconditionally, not conditionally, but unconditionally love me. That I have parents that have a limitless compassion and mercy for me, even in my worst failures. Think back some of the stupidest things, some of the most awful things that have occurred in your life. And then your parents come along, not judgmentally, not harshly, not abusively, but they come with compassion. And they say, let's talk about that. Tell me what you were thinking when that occurred. Let's explore that together. How can we grow through this experience? Wouldn't that be wonderful to have a family like that where we have parents who know your weaknesses and failures but are always ready to forgive and restore you? They know you best. I'll tell our girls, look, I've known you since I've been changing your diapers. I know all about you. I watched you grow up. And I still love you. I love you unconditionally. I can't love you any more than I love you now. And even if all of our failures... You know, when you're in your home, you are who you naturally are. So parents and siblings know each other well. When you're in your home, and I get up in the morning, I wear these old gym shorts that I cut off here and just walk around without any shirt on. My hair is uncombed. Yeah, I do have hair. And, uh, and it's just sort of sloppy and, and uh, don't even think about what I look like. And Joy has to look at that every morning. She knows me. She sees me at my worst. And at nighttime, I like to put on these sweats, and I've got this Harley Davidson T-shirt that I wear every night. And it's got food on it from the last week. And I'll sit there and just sort of share together, and, and Joy has to look at that. And Joy still loves me because she sees me just as I am. We have to sing that song. I come home just as I am. And she accepts me. Isn't it wonderful to have a parent who knows us and sees us and experiences us in the raw form? You know, when we come to church, what do we do? I, I never wear this at home. I wear this for you, for you the people. And when we come to church, I grew up as a kid and I'd wear a tie. I never wore a tie, but on Sunday. So at church time, we get all prettied up, don't we? What would it be like if we all just rolled out of bed and came here just as we are? We really come just as we are. Would we love each other just as much? Would there be compassion and unconditional mercy and grace? Because then we really, wait, who are you? Oh, that's right. Without the makeup, I, you know, right? Well, this is how... Our parents have known us. And wasn't it great to grow up in a home where I didn't have to put on makeup, I didn't have to put on my breast dress clothes, I didn't have to even brush my teeth, but when we came together in the morning, we loved each other, even with the flaws and the smell and the <laughs> messed up hair. That's love. That's dynamic. We have parents who love like this that they model and mentor good traits for you to promote healthy growth. I look at mom and dad and say, man, perfect 
I hope I can be like you. They're always ready with insights and wisdom and direction when you need it or anxious about life. I don't know about this job. I don't know about this school. I don't know about this person that maybe we're dating. Maybe we'll get married. I don't know what I should do in this situation. You go to your parent. Tell me, help me understand how I should respond. And then they just always have that nugget, that information, that insight, that bit of wisdom that makes you think, okay, I can deal with this. I can get through this. Wouldn't it be great to have parents that are always, always spot on with that? They value that we're different and unique. That parents don't say, why don't you be like your sister or like your brother? Why don't you be like the neighbor, the cousin? The parents say, you're different, you're unique, and that's what makes you so valuable to me. We have parents that love like this, that they're always present, they're always available, but they never seem to be interfering or overbearing. I want them when I want them, but when I don't want them, please stay out of my way. And they always seem to get it right. Wouldn't it be great to have parents who are always that way? Not just sometimes, but always that way. We have parents who love like this, that if you're a boy, you want to grow up to be like dad. If you're a girl, you want to grow up to marry a man like dad. And that's a good thing. It'd be wonderful to have that kind of modeling going on, and that's the way my dad did it. That's how I do it. I can look back in my own life, and there are so many things that my dad did that now I do those things. And in many cases, it's a good thing. Occasionally, don't do that. But wouldn't it be great to have parents like that? And then what would it be like if you had brothers and sisters who loved each other this way? Whether you were born or adopted later, they're committed to you because you're family. Maybe you were born in the family and then they adopted your brother or your sister when age five or age eight. And maybe they came in with a handicap or a disability. But you're on their side because they're family. They don't have to prove anything. They just are. Because they're family, they're one of us. They belong. Where you have this brother and sister that seek to develop meaningful relationships and they go to the heart and soul of your life. It's not just that you play games together, you watch sports together, you go to uh, the club together. It's because when you have those conversations, you sit in your bedroom and you sit in your beds and you begin sharing about life. You have conversations that go to the depth of your heart and your soul. And you say, wow, this is so meaningful to me. This is giving me so much value that you understand me to the depth of my heart and who I am and who you want me to be. It's rich to have those kind of conversations going on. They always accept you. They affirm you. You belong to their family. There's never a time where they say, you know what? I'm all filled up. I don't need any more people like you in my life. (laughs) I've got enough friends, so just don't bother me anymore. The beautiful thing about a family is that you're never filled up. No matter how many siblings you have or cousins you have, when it comes to special occasions and family gather together, they're all there, and they all belong. And you're glad they're there. And you engage with them because they're family, and you have that relationship with them. They know all your faults and your weaknesses, but they persist in loving you and forgiving you because they grow up and they see you in the morning just like mom and dad do. And that yet they still love you in that wonderful embrace You have brothers and sisters who, when you cry, they cry with you. When you are happy, they rejoice with you. Isn't it fantastic to have somebody that when you're hurting, when there's discouragement or depression, and you begin to talk to a sibling, they listen 
They empathize. They have compassion. They have sympathy. They have a willing heart. They won't one-up you with something they went through that seems to be worse. They'll just sit there and listen. And you feel as though they feel what you feel. And they validate your feelings. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have brothers and sisters that so easily meet you in your pain and your sorrow as well as your joy and your successes and they just resonate in your heart with that empathetic touch. What a beautiful relationship that would be to have a wonderful family like that. And when you experience this sorrow or loss, they're the first to support you. They come right alongside. They say, how can I help to meet your needs? What do you need the most? And if it's simply to be a listening ear, they're there. That's all they want. Wouldn't it be great to have brothers and sisters and they have other friends? And frankly, they're proud to see you. Wouldn't it be great to have a brother who is a senior in high school and you come in as a freshman in high school and the brother says, to the younger freshman brother, come on over. I I got a bunch of friends that I hang out with from the football team. I want them to meet you because I am so proud that you're my younger brother. What would that be like? Remember high school? Remember those days? Where freshmen and and seniors, like, like they're two planets away. But to have an older brother who's a senior say, I want all my friends to meet you because you're family and I value you. It would be great to have that kind of relationship with one another where brothers and sisters, they love you enough to speak truth into your life and they sit you down and, in a loving and gracious way. They share with you. You have brothers and sisters who love like this and they have friends that enjoy you and frankly, they just have fun with you. They just enjoy being with you. It would be great to have a family like that and I think, what if we had a church that was a family like that? What would that be like? The dynamic of this kind of relationship that I just listed that could be in a family on earth, that could be a family from heaven. Wouldn't it be great to have that kind of family? I'd like to do something. Um, I'm going to show you a video. It's a video of some of us from Calvary Church gathering together. Now, here's your assignment as you watch this video. I'd like for you to pick out parts of the video of a family gathered together, and what are some observations that really stick with you? And then after the video, I'm going to come down there and ask some of you. Share them with me. As you watch that, What stands out in your mind about the dynamic of this family around the table? Take a watch. Have you ever had guests over for dinner? Invitations have been sent, RSVPs have come in, and tonight's the night. This isn't a quick meal on the run, something to squeeze in. It's an evening set aside to gather. You've thought about what to serve, what the table will look like, and where each person will sit. As the guests begin to arrive, you want them to feel welcomed, to feel seen, to feel known. And then there's the moment 
The table is set, the food is ready, the guests are seated. It's time to pause, remember, and give thanks. It's time to break bread, share the meal, and enjoy each other's company. Plates are filled, conversation picks up, and there's always room for one more. Looking around the room, what brings this group together? Across cultures, across generations, connections are made through stories, laughter, and even tears. And at the center of it all is the common bond of faith. Sitting around the table, this is family. As the night winds down, the meal may be over, but the memories made will last. Something special happened here. It leaves you wanting more to further the fellowship and gather again. You come away from the evening with a sense that this is what life should be like. All right, I'm going to risk something to come out here. What strikes? Raise your hand. What, what are some themes, some items that you see in that story of a family around the table? What stands out in your mind? Jane. They stayed at the table together. They're all one. Very good. Okay, I'll have to repeat them if I can get to you. I have the microphone here. They were all communicating with each other. Sharing together. So yes. there's a good conversation. Nobody left out. What's that? No electronics. No electronics. So nobody's checking their uh, <laughs> cell phones or text messages, their Facebook, their I, uh, Instagram. Very good. All right. All ages, all ages. So it was the many generations that were there. Some of us younger ones with some of the older ones that were there. Other things, just yell it out. Warmth in their heart. Yeah, there was a good feel to it. When there's a dynamic of people, community coming together. Real loud. All working to set the table. And as they were setting the table, think about it, there was a preparation that was going on. They prepared the table because they expected someone to arrive. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So there's an expectation of preparation that would go on. Joan, real loud. Always room for one more. Jim Davis came in late. We love Jim Davis. He arrived late. We all got up. Jim, we're glad you're here. There's room for you as well. Let's make room for Jim. Anything else? Yeah. The kids were right there. Yeah, it didn't matter. The youngest, the littlest ones of the family were there as well as the oldest that are there as well. Yes, real loud. They all helped clean up. So, yeah, we didn't leave it all to Shannon. Shannon, well, good luck with your table, you know. Uh, everybody participated and helped to conclude the time together. These are qualities that uh, we think are important in a good family. Patrice? Okay. Lasting feeling, Patrice is saying that something good had just happened there that took place. Now, what I love about the video is that these are subtle messages that came across, but it shows the dynamic of a family gathering together. 
There's preparation. There's expectation of arrivals. Even a late arrival, there's still room for more. No one has a reservation that overrides someone else's reservation of a seat. And there's all this community that is taking place. What would it be like if we had a church family that's like this? One of the great things that Jesus said that is easy to overlook, but in Mark, when Jesus was discipling his men, this is what he said. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he, get this, will receive a hundred times as much now in this present age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, farms, along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. I love this phrase but that he will receive 100 times as much now in this present age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children. That's Jesus. What is he saying? He's saying that you may have to give up some things with your own family because of following Jesus, and the Jewish people would have to do that. But I'm going to replace your biological family that maybe disowns you because you've given up your faith of your childhood, Judaism, and I'm going to replace it with new brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and homes. And those relationships are going to be 100 times as rich as what you left behind. Get that? When we become a family, I'm not saying that biological families are not good, but in that case, in that culture, that was a commitment that they were putting beside them, their biological family, to be a follower of Jesus as the Messiah. So he's saying, I want you to see that I'm going to create a new family for you. It's going to be the church, ultimately, in Acts 2. And that church will have relationships that are 100 times as rich now. Why are they 100 times as rich? Because often in a biological family, we don't get to the spiritual realm of those things that make us a church, that God adopts us, that Christ pays the ransom so that we could be adopted into the family of God, that the Spirit of God lives in all of us who are part of the church, and as the Spirit works in us, we begin to have relationships with one another as a family that are so much more dynamic, so much more in-depth, that can have so much more meaning and value, that speak into the heart those things that are eternal as opposed to those things that are temporal. And it's a hundred times richer because it's the love of Christ, it's the grace of Christ, it's the mercy of Christ, and that love, grace, and mercy just alone is 100 times richer than anything we can just conjure up in our own biological way. So he's saying, I'm going to bring you into a family that's going to be so much more in-depth and so much more intense, so much more rich, 100 times over than anything you give up on earth. And I'm going to give it to you in this present age. So I the Father, for example... In the outline I've showed you and given you scriptures for all the points that I gave you about what a wonderful family it would be, well, that's a biblical family. That's a church family. One of those qualities is having a good father, a father just as the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. We have a heavenly father who loves us but he knows us as we are. Like getting out of bed early in the morning and we got bad breath and we're wearing sloppy PJs and our hair is not done, our makeup's not done. I hate it when I go out without makeup. And all these things are undone. And the Father knows us in our frame. And we're part of a family that has a Father like that. 
And Jesus was baptized in the very last line, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We have a Father that approves us, that values us, that unconditionally loves us. We become part of a church family where that's the dynamic. We have brothers and sisters that just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ individually members of one another. We have a family that meets together, gathers together, works together, serves together, communicates together, and it goes to the heart and soul of who we are. We're not Kiwanis. We're not the Rotary. They're fine. But what makes us unique is the heart and eternal nature of the relationships that we're becoming part of. We're a family family that is inclusive, a family that rejoices with those who rejoice and weeps with those who weep, who empathizes, who has compassion for, who supports in whatever turmoil or sorrow they may be going through. Brothers and sisters speaking the truth and love to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head even Christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by whatever each joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building of the body of itself in love. We are fitted together as a family. It means something. Now I'd like for us to understand what it means in a personal story. So I'm going to invite Randy and Tammy Harris going to come up here. And I was blessed, as Tammy shared just a couple of days ago for me, the story of their coming to Calvary Church. Many of you know Randy in the bookstore. Tammy works on staff here as well. And uh, you would think that they were born and raised here at Calvary Church, and they were not. Uh, they actually had a starting point, like many of us here. And I want you to hear a little bit about their starting point. So uh, welcome, Randy. Tammy, good to have you up here. Thank, Thank you for you. sharing. I know you Thank really, you. really wanted to do this, and so I'm glad that you did. Uh, not really. <laughs> Randy, tell me, how did you end up here at Calvary Church? Well, to kind of tell that story, uh, I think a lot of you people are going to know this, but some of you might not. I mean, you almost need a little history lesson of Calvary Church a little bit. We came here 27 years ago, April 1989, somewhere around April Fool's Day. You can make with that what you want. <laughs> uh, but that, the church seemed, that seemed like in some ways like 100 years ago. Uh, but the church was quite different. Where we're sitting now, this building didn't exist. That was, this was just a gravel pit. They were starting to think about building this building at that time. And the services were held at Samsvik. Being smaller, they had three services. And um, you literally waited outside the doors until the service was over. You were lined up like cattle a little bit. And they would finish the service. And when those people were done, they did not move out. They moved forward they would exit the building that way, and then when the building was all cleaned out, then they would open the doors, and Jim Davis would actually open the doors, Jim and Davis. You, would, you would come in and just sort of herd right into the door. And that's the situation where we came to when we first came. And, um, you know, I can still remember, some of you will remember the gazebo that was out there in the middle of the patio. I, one of us would drop off the children, she probably, and then I would stand there and, and hold our place in line. She would go drop off the kids, come back and get in line. So we would just be there, move on in, and we loved it, but we didn't know a single person at, at Calvary. Um, it didn't seem to be a situation that we were ever going to get to know anybody either. 
uh, in that situation, just moving in, going out. And I think at times it was like almost it seemed like insurmountable. You just like, I, I don't know if I'll ever get to know anyone. Um, but the church and things were happening in our lives. I mean, the che- teaching was changing us. And I think one of the things that God does when he starts to move in you, your spirit, he st- his spirit starts to move in you, you want to just re- you want to get to know someone. You want to share what's happening. And we didn't see how that was possible. We, we had been there almost a year. We still didn't know almost anyone. Uh, and then we had been to a class, a little gathering that t- Sam Talbert, how many of you guys remember Pastor Sam Talbot? Uh, he was on staff here. We got to know him. And um, Tammy was leaving the parking lot one day, and he was sitting at the light, and she pulled out, and he saw her, and he honked, and he waved. And she was like, she came home. She was so excited. She was like, someone knows us. Mm. One person knows us. It was just a big thrill for us that somebody recognized us. All right. Tammy, how was it for you as you came into Calvary like that? Well, we were excited to uh, find a place to plug in and invest in. We were a young family, three little Mm -hmm. ones. Um, And so we were really looking for friendship and and connection for our kids. And um, so we decided the leadership at that time was encouraging us to be a part of a small group. We decided to sign up and go try that, and we did. We enjoyed a nice evening with these other young couples. And then the next morning, the leader called and said, it's not a good time for us to have someone new join our group, and basically said, just don't come back. So I'm not a fan of rejection. (laughs) Super uh, just confused, I think, and discouraged, and I was pretty much ready to bail, I think, Mm. at that point. Um, However, our kids were plugged into the children's ministry. We were loving what we were seeing as a result of that in their lives. And they were just uh, starting to make friends. So we decided to stay. And uh, we started to try to volunteer in some of the classes and things like that and started meeting people, which was encouraging. And then the senior pastor at that time was asked to step down for a failure and so, again, another blow. We were like, oh, my goodness, really? Uh, had a hard time kind of reconciling that at the time. But God used that, I guess, trial to help me see, and I think us both, that it, our faith had to be more than just about a man. It was about our faith in God and that our focus had to stay on him and not on any man, any superstar. That was just um, not... Uh, conducive to our growth. And so God really spoke to us during that time on that. So anyway, difficult transition. I'm sure many of you experienced the same thing with uh, people leaving the church at that time. Uh, But we decided just to continue digging in. And so we did as volunteering in classes. I got involved in MOPS, which was young moms ministry to moms with preschoolers. And we started developing friendships. And slowly but surely, we really made some huge connections with other families and Uh, many of you, and um, started to feel like this was our home, and uh, doing life, just started doing life together. Yeah. So as messy as it was, it it was Thank you for persevering, yeah, through all those challenges, I know. Uh, Randy, how did you actually end up serving on staff here then? Well, I mean, those connections, it all sort of starts to, you know, the groundswell just starts to happen. You got to know people, and then there was a conversation about this new ministry that was going to start. Uh, they were talking about opening a bookstore, and that had been a dream of mine, and I couldn't believe that God 
allowed me to step into that. And uh, I still remember uh, Tam and I sitting on the floor of the bookstore um, the night before we were going to open the first day, December 1994, and praying on the floor before. And I remember going home. I was so excited I couldn't sleep. I was just so excited about the bookstore. And, and that's been 22 years now, this December. And, uh, you know, that, that's the kind of thing that it led to. And then that has just grown into, like, a full-time position here at Calvary. Tammy came on staff in 96. And she does the videos. And she was Dave's admin for many years and all kinds of stuff. So that's just sort of the details of how we got on staff. Great. Tammy, how would you describe where you're at today then? Well, Calvary Church has played such a huge role in shaping not only me, but every member of my family. Um, we have learned to uh, serve here. We've, I mean, we've worshipped and encouraged one another, developed lifelong friendships. Um, Calvary is, and the Lord through Calvary has helped uh, develop a passion for, you know, reaching out to the world, not only our local community, but the world. And um, our kids have been here and made lifelong friendships. I see them now uh, connected with deep roots. I mean, just such a cool connection to people. Two of our kids have met their spouses here at Calvary. So now we're related to people, yeah. which is really they're, mind-blowing. They're part of this huge tree, <laughs> the Nortons, and the, it goes on and on and on. So now I think about, you know, you mentioned the next 15 years, and I think about, well, my grandson now. Mm. We'll move on yeah. in this rich um, family of faith. And Absolutely. for that, I'm forever grateful. Yeah, yeah. Because I think when Aunt Randy, I mean, when Tammy shared that, I thought, who would Jesse and Ben have married <laughs> had they not stayed at Calvary Church? They have beautiful spouses, uh, Doug Brown and uh, Sarah Norton. And you just think, wow, what a, what a rich thing. Because you hung in through those early kind of bumps in the road, here you are today with this heritage as well. Um, tell us a little bit about Well, up. just sort of wrapping up, uh, I think the reason that we would want to share our story is just uh, we want it to be a story that encourages you. I know there's people out there that maybe feel like we did in 1989. I would want to let you know it can seem like everyone knows everyone, but you don't know anyone, and that's just not true. I was the first thing I would say. Everybody doesn't know everybody, and you're not the only one that might not know anyone. Um, I think... Uh, I have to talk about a book. <laughs> it just can't happen. So, I mean, Eugene Peterson has a great book that we've carried forever in the store, and I really like the title. I think it has a lot to do with what we're talking about here, and it's the title of it is A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. I kind of think that's Tam and I's story. We just sort of stayed the course, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, and I would say it's even a better title might be The Long Obedience in the Same Direction with Others. Um, you know, as we've gotten these connections, I think some of it is almost like a light bulb that goes on. You, you have these connections and you have, you know, connections with people and then something happens. The heavy things happen. Trouble starts. Problems. And then you go and you, you're there. Because you're there, you're, I mean, you're together, you're there. And you, you, you go through these things together and that's when you start to see how God weaves those problems and weaves you together and it's almost like a light went on and went like oh I get it so that's what this is all about so I think in closing I would just say one of the reasons we would want to share is looking back at 27 years at what we have as far as our family here at Calvary Church in all the many different ways I would long for that for you if you don't have that 
I would love for you to be sitting here 27 years from now going, this is my story. I would, what we have is so rich, I would want it, you to have it as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for being willing Thank to you, come Dave. up here and Thank share with so us. Yes. Isn't that great to have a sense of God at work in the deepest, most meaningful areas of relationships, for example, husbands and wives, to find those here are the depth of that relationship. And it's in Acts chapter 2 we read about the very first church family, and here are some of the qualities that you're going to hear. In Acts 2 and verse 41, so then those who had received His Word were baptized that day and were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone would have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. What a family. In the depths of the relationships. They were a family that would invite and welcome and accept one another. And we need to do that. We need to apologize to those of you who, like Randy and Tammy, your first introduction to Calvary Church, it felt like you weren't wanted here. We apologize for that. And we want to turn that around, and those of us who have been here for some time, that we come here on Sunday mornings not to have my needs met, but to look for those whose needs I can help meet. That's what the first century church was. That's a church family. And then someone comes in the room. I know uh, we have this little dog that uh, we inadvertently have sort of fostered, adopted. Her name is Lucy. And every so often, Lucy, I'll get up and I'll go to the kitchen out of my seat, and Lucy will jump up in my seat. She'll sit where I was sitting, just like that. And I come back, and I am so furious with Lucy for taking my seat. And yet there should be this expectation that someone's going to come and take my seat here, and I don't care because I'm glad you're here. I know that we sometimes we have our patterns but our patterns need to adjust to people and be loving and gracious and inviting and welcoming and reaching out to. Rather than huddling up with those that I know, reach out to those I don't know. And never let a Randy and a Tammy think, you're not wanted here. And you know how that happens? When you and I get out of our comfort zone, we get out of our friendship zone, and we look across the aisle, we look across the lobby, we look across the patio, and we see someone that I don't know, so I'm just going to meet them. And we say, thank you for coming. I'm glad you're here. For a Sam Talbert to say, hi, Tammy, and for her to remember that 27 years later is powerful. It doesn't mean you have to have them share their heart life story. It just means you've got to greet them. 
So we want a family that is like that, that learns God's truths together, that shares meals together, that experiences God's works together, that we share our finances and our resources together, that we enjoy life together, that we have a positive influence. And I encourage you, one of the things that really gets to me is this. Now let me speak more candidly. Up to now I've been kind of putting it fluffy. One of the things that really grates on me is people who have been at Calvary for 10, 20 years, 30 years. And they say, you know, the church down the street has a lot greener grass growing than we do. So I like this, that, or the other thing. So I'm pulling my roots of 20 years of ministry to go to the church down there simply because it's something that I think I like better. When you do that, you cut ties, you cut relationships, you cut opportunities for the richness of those who can care for you as well as you caring for them. There's something about longevity, like in Randy and Tammy's story, that builds the kind of relationships you can't get in a week, a month, or a year because people know me. They know me. They went through that with me. They went through the divorce. They went through the cancer treatments. They went through the financial distress. They went through the foreclosure. They went through whatever it may be. They know me, and they still love me, and I'm part of a wonderful family where they rejoice with me as I rejoice, and they cry with me when I cry, and they know me, and they love me, and they accept me just as I am. You don't get that by just sort of popping in every so often from church to church. You get that because of an investment of time and relationships. We want that for Calvary Church. So how do we get there? Here are some next steps. We have a thing that we put together on the website at calvarylife.org survey. And it is a survey that we'd like to take all of you through. All of you. It's not for those like Randy and Tammy are on staff, and so they have to because we pay them to do it. It's for all of us to do it. And what we'd like to learn from that is who are we as a church, and now therefore where do we want to go as a church? What does this tell us about demographics, location, how long you've been here? We're not going into intrusive questions about your personal life. We just simply want information to know who are we, who are we. Know your flock, know the state of your flock is one of the things that Scripture teaches us. So would you go to that website, calvaryloft.org, and it's very easy. I've been through it. Very easy. to. You can either log in, you can do it as a guest. If you haven't logged in, you can log in. We have a database, and it allows you privileges to be able to see and get addresses and things like that. It's the new way of doing the old pictorial directory. So I encourage you to check that out. There's information in the lobbies. There's computers in the lobby. You can go use one of those computers in the lobby. There'll be somebody there to help you use the computer in the lobby to take this, what, five... 10-minute survey. So I encourage you to do that. Attend our Discovery Calvary class. It's a membership class. What does it mean to be part of Calvary? Who is Calvary? Who are the people of Calvary? What do they believe? Come and be part of the Discovery Calvary membership class. Sign up for Calvary Goes to Dinners where we're going to sit around a table like you saw in the video with people that you probably have not met before. That's great because we want new people to meet new people. We want engagement of relationships because we're a church family and we share together in life. 
We're not just a place that we attend to hear a message. We're not just an educational institution. We're not just a business. I'm not a CEO. The elders are not board members. We're here to care for one another as a family that invites and welcomes. Volunteer to help at Neighbor Good that's coming up. There's a little card in the bulletin that is about that, that on the 19th you can come and really care for the community that brings their cars and other needs. Receive Christ as your personal Savior. Trust in Him. Begin that journey with God through Christ alone. He died for your sins. You might as well receive the gift of forgiveness through confession of those sins to Him. Then we have a baptism class on the last Sunday of November. As we wrap up this series, we're going to have people being baptized. We'd love for you to be baptized. It's simply an outward display of the inward faith you have in Jesus. And it is robust and exciting. Then find ways to connect beyond the services of life groups, life stage ministries, serving. There's so many ways. Notice how Randy and Tammy, they became part of the family when they began serving in areas of ministry. We want that for you. We want to see the depth of a 100-fold return on the investment, as Jesus said. A 100-fold return on the investment of brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers as we come into the Almighty Father God in heaven. So we invite you to be part of that. So we're forecasting where we want to go. We don't know all the things that are going to happen in the next 15 years, but I want to throw one more thing at you. And I run a high risk in doing this. In 15 years, I'm not going to be doing this job. In 15 years. I'll be 80 if I'm even alive. I may be over at Fairhaven. Who knows? (laughs) And one of the things that my dad taught me is this. As he aged, he took me over to his, one of the bedrooms, said, David, here's our living trust. I want you to understand what's going to happen when I'm no longer here and explain the living trust. What is a living trust? It's simply a plan of action for change. And one of the things I have invited the elders into is a plan of action that I don't know when the time is going to come. I might be run over my motorcycle next week. I hope not. So do you, right? All right. I'm kidding. But I want us to do things in a healthy, God-honoring way that when the time comes, roles can change, but relationships remain the same. I want to be with all of you for the rest of my life because you're family. You're my spiritual family, and I value you as part of my spiritual family. It's rich. For 21 years, I've had the privilege of acquiring new brothers and sisters in Jesus. And I want that to continue for the rest of my life. But sometimes roles change. So I'm not quitting. I'm not retiring. I'm not resigning. Don't ask to be on a search committee. (laughs) So I run that risk. But I want you to know that if you hear something, because I get word that there are things being said. So I'm just going to be up front with you guys. Yeah, we're concerned for the next 15 years. Part of that is my role and our staff's roles. We want to be forthright and open with you. Because what's a good family do? A good family says, I want to share what I think and what I believe and what my opinions are. And we come together 
and support one another in that. So I don't know what the timeline, it's years, we're looking at years, but I just wanted to introduce that to you to help those who are having discussions already. <laughs> and uh, for those of you who are on the outside, I want to bring you in. Did you hear anything? I just told you all you need to know. So don't ask me, when, when are you retiring again? Please, you have not heard me if you say that, and I'll slap you. So, all right. We'd like to transition. One of the beautiful things about being a church family is that we commune together. We are only here because Jesus is our senior pastor. I'm not the senior pastor. I'm the assistant to the senior pastor, as I like to say. Jesus is our senior pastor. Pastor is the Greek word for shepherd. He is the good shepherd, the great shepherd. And so we're here for him. Communion is saying, Jesus, thank you for being my senior pastor. Thank you for being the one who has died for my sins that I could be cleansed and made whole and holy through Jesus Christ. So I'm going to receive these elements, the bread first of all, and then the cup as they symbolize the body and the blood of Jesus. Let me pray as we begin and receive the bread first. Father God, I thank you that you're a God who loves us so much. You're a heavenly Father. You're a heavenly Father who is perfect, who models and mentors, who gives compassion and mercy, who gives us guidance and wisdom, who knows our flaws, our deep weaknesses, our failures, and loves us all the more, who is willing to restore and to forgive. Thank you for being the perfect father of our church family. And we come to you now to remember our senior pastor, Jesus, who shepherds us with a compassionate heart. And Father, thank you that he was willing to go to that cross, that we could be forgiven of every wrong thing we've ever done. Thank you for your grace. So now, Father, we focus on the bread to remember the body of Jesus, who is that perfect sacrifice for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.